on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Yes, the Boxeo edition back in your ear hole, ready to deliver that injection of the one and only unmistakable, untraceable performance enhancing audio. TBC, your boy, that's the voice you hear. Uh, my, my partner in crime, you know the guy, right? Oh, who's this, who's this person you're, you're, you're interviewing? I'm sorry? Rafe. I'm Rafe. Oh, I- it's Rafe. It's Rafe. I gave the guy a bye week this week. Uh, not a lot going on in terms of Boxeo news. I slid in your DMs regardless, though, here with this here box pod. A little bit of a mixed bag of an interview special that I think you're going to enjoy. Um, it's wild times these days, folks. All right? We know that. We know that. All right? I'm just here to try to crank you up a little bit. I'm going to get off by cranking your knob just a little beyond the breaking point. Uh, no. No. Not not necessarily. Not necessarily like that. But I think you understand uh, which direction I was going in there. Um, wow, that was a little bit unsettling. But uh, we're back with a bang. If you like this show, please uh, spread the love, spread it forward. Five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast. I don't know, J-Date, wherever you're finding this. Look, if you can find nudes of uh, Eric Raskin on J-Date, please uh, uh, send them this way. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Send them this way. Uh, speaking of the Raskin family, I'm, I'm halfway through knee-deep in this uh, Campbell family uh movie marathon which is the fast and the furious which is something I've, I've told you about i don't i don't typically get down with those broskis but i'm loving it right now we just got through fast five uh another uh fred raskin edited project i believe uh as he came on board along with justin lynn for for a nice little ride there during some prime f and f not friday night fights and uh Fast Five, the debut of The Rock. Fast Five is like an all-star game of previous Fast movie members. It's friggin' fantastic. This is not just a a racing tough guy movie. It's like an action slash uh, almost like a war movie at certain points. It's fantastic. I could not ever have imagined that this franchise could get me that kind of fired up. But uh, we're in the middle of it. Thank you to Fred Raskin for that. And uh, thank you for Eric Raskin. I'm sure a lot of you know... Uh, uh, him and Bill Detloff, former Ring Theory boxing podcast guys, uh, had that nice little spinoff with the Breaking Bill pod uh, doing episode by episode of Breaking Bad. I am very, very new to the game here, but I've started my uh, quarantine outbreak attack on that classic series, Breaking Bad. Uh, I had to halt it for, for a few days, but um, I'm a couple episodes in. I'm about to dive into episode one of the uh 
the Breaking Bill pod. So I'm going to have a lot of Raskin in my life during this quarantine. Um, still trying to acquire the VHS tapes of the 1999 Maccabee Games doubles tennis tournament so I can get even more. But seriously, check out the great work that uh, Raskin and Mulvaney are doing on the Showtime Boxing Podcast. They've been dipping lately into the archives and revisiting some... Uh, major pay-per-view bouts of the last 15, 20 years and bringing in big-time guests, including your boy BC right here. I came on and broke down Mayweather at De La Hoya with them, along with Leonard Ellerby and uh, a couple other folks. So uh, check out what they got going on. Check out Rafe's work, of course, on TheAthletic.com. He is the best boxing writer in the game today. Sorry, Eric Raskin, all right? Uh, sorry, all right? I'm protecting my boy Rafe. It's Rafe, right? I mean, he inspires me. I mean, you know you know what I'm all about on this show, right? He knows. That really inspired me. Pinas, yes. Um, So here's the deal on today's show. We got a big-time interview with a guy we've been trying to track down for a while. Unbeaten, unified, 140-pound champion, Josh Taylor, the Tartan Tornado. Our guy, your guy, get to know him. We go about 28 minutes deep with him on this show this week. We're going to find out how he's doing getting through quarantine season uh, get into a little bit of this uh, divorce he had with the McQuigan family and his subsequent addition to the Ben Davison training stable, how that's working out, how they've had to pause actions. We got uh, Josh Taylor hitting a heavy bag in his garden right now just to try to stay fit. Taylor's also going to break down to us uh, his future plans. They go beyond Jose Ramirez, folks. Spoiler alert, big time plans ahead for that gentleman. And yes, we asked him about the... The infamous Billy Joe Saunders story of uh, BJS getting them thrown off a plane in Vegas for a prank. Uh, be here for that. Get deep into that one as well. Uh, to have that interview on the show, I must shout out a man. The 2018 and 19 two-time defending State of Combat Boxing Podcast content uh, supplier, content demander, and fulfiller of the year. It is Evan Corn of Top Rank. So all you PR mavens out there, all the people in this business that I love, right? All the uh, the Fred Sternbergs, the Kelly Swansons, the Andrew Robertses, the Bernie Barmazels, all the, the PR guys that I love dealing with and women. I'll step your game up because uh, Evan Corn's coming for you. All right? All right? All right? All right? I know what, what the ending is going to be like. It was a good finish. I, I like a good finish. We all do, Carl. Uh, thank you. Uh, Evan Corn's coming. We've had Bo the, the Bob Father. We've had Teo. Now we got some Josh Taylor this week. It's a fun little chat. I'm also going to bring on a fella. You may, you may know. I hope you know more of him. His name is Chris Jay. He's been a, a boxing manager. He currently uh, manages uh, Chia Santana. He's been a corner man. He works out at the Knuckleheads Gym with Coach Host, Joseph Janik in California. He's uh, a filmmaker, a front man of a, of a band, and also he works for a great company, Contenders Clothing, uh, which I'm sure you've seen their, their, their boxer briefs, their T-shirts. They've got merchandising lines with Muhammad Ali, the Rocky movie franchise, Karate Kid franchise. Uh, our boy Chris J is going to stop by and, and just kind of update a good initiative that Contender is doing right now uh, to try to put money in the pockets of fighters, not necessarily the big-time names we have on this show all the time, but some of those guys that we celebrate each week and, and do you care with Rafe Boogs, those those types that are headlining uh, off-TV shows or doing walkout bouts, you know, or pro providing themselves as as B-sides for certain big-time names. Uh, Contenders Clothing set up a fund. They, they got a good thing set up to try to put some, some money back into the fighters during this tough time because, like Chris J points out, 
in this interview, uh, even if we come back soon with empty arena bouts or studio fights or whatever, you know that you're not going to get the four and six rounders on there. So there's a lot of people that are uh, struggling at this point. And obviously, it goes beyond boxing. But shout out to everybody getting by in quarantine season. And we've also got a must hear update. Uh, from another hero in the SOC lineage. Yes, uh, it's your favorite listener. No, not Ulrich Anderson. That's my favorite listener. Not MGC Speaks. Not uh, Quality Bloke. Last year's 2019 SOC Listener of the Year. I'm talking about another man. Alex Godinez, what's going on, brother? Yeah, what's going on, Godinez, with this deep dive on the drop? I'm going to bring on I'm Godin. I'm going to dial in to Sacto to get the latest on uh, the future of this incredible segment that's taken over the boxing world. It's got Twitter on fire. It's got people's underpants on fire, if you will. Um, is this the beginning? Is this the end? Is he going to Richard Schaefer me one day and break my heart and try to sign all my talent over to Al Heyman while I'm on a uh, a uh, – a bed at a recovery center? It's possible. But for now, this lives on the SOC. Will it be back? What's going on in the future? Uh, we would not only want to hear that from Alex Godinez, we want to hear his takes on a couple other big-time boxing topics. So you got a trio of guests. It's wild and wacky, as always. Uh, we'll try to make sure that, that you have a good experience and can never guarantee that, of course. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. But uh, we appreciate you all. But back on the other side, uh, after a quick pause and a break and a word from our friends and sponsors, including, by the way, shout out to Ballsy.com. Love those folks. You know what I'm talking about. The, the nut rub, the sex spray, uh, the ball wash, all that. They got, they got some new lines. They got some new products coming out. So please continue to visit them. B-A-L-L-S-Y.com. I've been uh, rocking my Ballsy hat everywhere lately in quarantine supermarket lines. Uh, with, with the uh, See, that's the thing. That's the thing. We're going to pause in a second. Hold on for a second, all right? My wife gets mad at me when I don't adhere to the uh, the complete letter of the law. And she's right in the self-quarantining in terms of, like, going out with my face covered. I don't have a mask, but she did purchase me a black do-rag. You may have saw my picture online uh, as I dressed up like Jeff Lowe the other day for a little neighborhood social distancing happy hour that we had. But I've been trying to wear that thing, uh, you know. 24-7 as a do-rag, as a face shield. So I'm trying to do my part in that. I don't remember what the original point was. But, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Hey, why don't we just take a pause? Oh, you know, ball. I've been wearing that with the Ballsy hat, though. You get a lot of people giving you dirty looks. But uh, shout-out to Ballsy. We're going to pause now for a word. On the other side, we're going to break down whatever little boxing news there actually is and get to these big-time interviews to come. Dig it. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 
And we're back. It's your boy, BC. Wraithbook's on a bye week this week uh, as we have an interview special going on right now. But uh, is there any box news going on? Not really. Look, a lifeline. I've been covering, obviously, the skinhead side of this. The UFC's really fighting to get back in. Dana White, of course, got shut down last week. But it looks like May 9th is the next UFC pay-per-view. It's going to be a loaded one. They'll probably end up having to do it or wanting to do it and getting to do it from the UFC Apex Center in Las Vegas next door to their headquarters, provided Nevada State Commission uh, after that April 30th, uh, you know, ruling in terms of uh, stopping non-essential business workers from con- congregating can be lifted to allow them to do fights. The reason why this matters for boxing is this is ultimately going to open the door. I mean, Bob Arum can say what he want about Dana, and Dana is being... Uh, you know, decently <laughs> reckless to say the least during this period. I mean, you've heard me play the sound bites before. I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring yeah. it. I'm ready, Corona. No, yeah. no, no, no. Don't, don't die. Be unique, but don't die, Dana. Seriously. But what's, what is the lifeline that was ultimately extended during that was from Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, allowing, pro sporting events provided they do it right do it in front of an empty audience all that can be deemed essential right now it, it, it helps in some ways to boost the florida economy so you're seeing wwe get the green light to continue you're seeing the potential for mma to come there and also boxing and bob arum the bob father top ranks uh chairman did come out and say look uh we may take them up on this. We're trying. We're we're friends with WWE. We've been reaching out to them about their performance center in Orlando to potentially use that. Bob also talked about uh, Todd DeBuff reaching out to uh, UFC even and saying, "Hey, maybe we can use your Apex Center in Vegas, which isn't far from the top rank gym, the top rank office." Should Nevada, which you would expect, uh, have that ban somewhat lifted? Uh, look, it's a little bit of a controversial topic because, you know, the 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 outbreak rate is 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 plateauing or flattening and we certainly don't want it to go backwards once people start congregating again but i think a soft launch is what is best for everybody uh we can't have public gatherings mosh pits <laughs> at concerts and giant fights uh with crowds filled but we should be able to do a soft launch with the help of state commissions not going rogue not going to some fight island to be able to put combat sports back on which i think will eventually quickly lead to all pro sports figuring out their own version of that i think boxing is going to fit into that and and bob will probably be ahead of the game on that it's really it's just about doing it right getting state and government clearance and uh playing it safe and keeping fighters quarantined to the hotel and the arena and and, and all that it's a process but i think they can work it out uh, other bits of news deontay wilder revealing finally in his appearance on the pbc boxing podcast that he just had surgery to repair a left bicep injury. Now, here's what's interesting. There was a rumor in the 24 hours before Wilder Fury 2. I remember it in Vegas. It wasn't from um, necessarily concrete sources enough to to report it or share it. But there was a little bit of a rumor that Wilder was hurt, that he had to, that he was pushing forth with the fight anyway. And, you know, you saw the performance. However you want to chalk it up to 45-pound costume or Fury just going for it and he just dominated them and broke down Wilder's confidence and exposed his lack of technique however you want to shape it that certainly was the worst of Deontay Wilder and now he's starting to let it sort of eke out that 
Uh, in fact, a quote he said on that podcast was that Fury knows that wasn't the real me in there. And look, to a degree, I think he's right, certainly, even though he did get dominated and he lost that fight. Um, there is pressure on fighters not to cancel when an injury pops up a week or two out and there's so much money at stake and so much on the line. So uh, that certainly could end up altering the narrative entering the third fight. While they're teased on that pod that there's a lot more information that will eventually come out. Um, you know, look, you can look at it and chalk it up to excuses and it's probably true. It is an excuse, but, uh, yes, other people have fought through injuries and come through, but also you can't look past how this type of distraction does compromise a fighter. And if he had a, a serious left bicep injury, certainly that could affect a guy who doesn't have a lot of technique. Uh, we, we always say, look, if he can establish that jab, he can have a chance. Well, look, his jab was not a non-factor and Fury went over the top of him. Fury walked through him. Fury still has to be the favorite in the third fight, but I'm glad that, that we're beginning to at least get some of these facts and truth out there of when these guys finally match up. Uh, the other related story to that is Eje, right? You know that, you know that fella, right? You know Eje. I noticed in the boxing press here online, they're saying Joshua has agreed to an immediate rematch. Blair, rethink that. Well, no, no, he 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 thought it correctly, Dwyer. Thank you, Richard Dwyer, and uh, hope you hope the Dwyer household is doing well during this. And he took that Ruiz rematch, and he won. Now he's challenging Fury to you know be a real man, be a real champ, and fight him right now. Well, it doesn't work that way, bro. He's got the mandatory uh, third fight, and Bob Arum kind of met that. Uh, you know, came right out when he heard that and said, "No, no, 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 no." Uh, Wilder not taking any step back money. So, and Wilder shouldn't, by the way. This quarantine should probably give him enough time to heal and uh, enter into a third fight later this fall at his at his best possible uh, version of himself. So. The winner, obviously, you want to see that set up against AJ, but let's kind of chill for that for now, even though, yes, truthfully, Fury Joshua, biggest fight you can make in heavyweights in the UK history, probably the biggest fight you can make in the sport right now without using a Maypack type situation. There, you know, I mean, there, you can argue there's better or as good fights, meaning a Spence, Crawford, etc., but uh, that's a big fight. So uh, hopefully the winner can take on AJ. Um, hopefully they can properly prepare themselves for what's to come. Prepare your horse for the war. And the Thank you. Thank you, Igus. Thank you very much. It's going to be a challenge indeed. All right. Hey, let, let's hear from Godinez. Let's bring in this guy, Sacramento's own. You love him. Here he comes right at you. Let's ring him up right now. Senor Godinez. Let me go get him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome Hello? back to your home, the place you belong, the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports. Brother, how are you in this updated quarantine? I'm doing well. I am uh, still uh, gainfully employed, thank goodness, right? We still have a job, still making money, making a living for my family. We're going a little stir-crazy, but uh, shout-out to everybody who says they're going stir-crazy when they never went out before. That's a fair point. Indeed. Uh, real quick question before we get into the matter at hand. What were you doing around 2013? Actually sleeping a lot of women. It's 2013. That's what we do. Oh, I don't. I was I was doing the opposite of what Polly was doing <laughs> uh, in 2013. Ah, yeah, weren't we all? Um, Godiz, yeah. Um, I have an email in front of me, just so you know, okay? Because I'm about to praise okay. you. 
but I first want to throw some some shade at you. Have you ever heard of a a Danish brethren named uh, Ulrich Anderson? We love that man. Have you ever heard of him? Who who is that guy? Exactly. I don't know that guy. Um, he emailed uh, Rafe Bugs and I. Rafe not present at the moment, just in case you're wondering, to say that um, you're fantastic, but you're no longer in the running for listener of the year competition because you are now officially a correspondent. And what he's referencing, of course, is the, the segment that is sweeping the nation right now that is waking people up from their, their, their COVID induced quarantines. It's deep dive on the drop. Um, did you just cross over from employee to management from listener to correspondent from regular bloke to audio hero because I've seen the, the I've seen the the DMs I've seen the texts I've seen the emails the tweets coming in from our people in response to this new fresh segment so to speak if you know what I'm saying sounded boring heard everybody talk about it the next day still sounded boring no 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 only it was fantastic mhm it was boring um, I don't know. You know what, Brian? You've never given me a fair shake. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to leave it up to the judges here. Uh, yourself and Ray uh, makes about as much sense as uh, two guys fighting it out for 12 rounds and then having three people who had nothing to do with the fight tell me who the winner is. Wow. Wow. This is a strong take. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. But uh, Alex Godin, is your <laughs> debut of Deep Dive on the Drop has rightfully so lauded nothing but respect from the Johnny Sigs of the world, the, the, uh, I mean, you know, maybe deep inside the B sample blokes of the world, uh, what people want to know what this podcast wants to know, since you have birthed this child and brought it into the world on your own. Um, will we hear this again? Will we see this again? Where are you going to take this thing solo? Uh, what is the future for Deep Dive on the Drop after probably the best debut we've seen since Lomachenko stopping Jose Ramirez to the body on the Bradley Marquez undercard? Mm-hmm. Hashtag beauty. Um, you know, uh, uh, the future seems pretty bright for Deep Dive on the Drop. I'm going to have to go back and talk to the staff. Uh, see what we can uh, put together, get together in the writer's room, get the producers on board, and, and see what we can do for uh, for the next dive on the drop. Uh, is this a uh, – I mean, you're producing this on your own. Oh, no, this is from all the fine folks at uh, CBS Sports, Brian. I don't know if you heard a oh, deep dive on the drop. I, I think – Everybody at CBS Sports for their help in in bringing this to light. But you are certainly the the brainchild behind it. Are you um, humbled and overwhelmed by the uh, by the outpouring of love from the uh, universe here? Oh yeah, I mean, in all seriousness, yeah, it's been awesome. I had fun making it, and, and by the way, it is just me who does it. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't want anything. I have some team of people putting together a segment on throwing water on someone's balls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just me. Uh, I loved it. I had fun doing it and, and revisiting the fight. I didn't realize um, the cherry on top was, uh, you know, they had uh, Chavez and Chavez Jr. Uh, on hand there and uh, Lamps throwing the shout out to them during the match. So I thought that just added to that epic moment. 
Yeah, I've forgotten how much uh, Mor- Morales had been getting criticized for pissing that fight away against the king, Zahir Rahim. Um, do you have any recommendations, uh, Godiz? Uh, you know, Rafe and I dug deep the, uh, the other week and, you know, tracked down five fights each we thought the people should see as people are navigating what I hope is the tail end of this non live fight quarantine before Bob Arum finally gets the score right and buys his own damn fight island. Um, mm-hmm. You have any recommendations for people? Maybe Jason Litzow's entire career. Uh, any fights we should be watching from uh, that may have been scored a draw in the Godinez household? Ooh, I don't know. You know, I think um, a good collaboration to visit uh, is, and I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this during the quarantine, is the Gotti Ward fights. And I believe um uh spoiler alert today is uh april 15th i believe today is uh mr uh Gotti's, uh uh birthday indeed indeed tax season yep. Arturo so, Gotti. so uh yep. yeah yeah well pre 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 uh um coronavirus uh tax season but yeah i would say visit revisit the Gotti ward fights yeah why not? Um, i think those are good fights to revisit i haven't seen a lot of uh fervor on the TL for those lately. I'm, I'm with you on that. Corrales Castillo getting a lot of love through Showtime's recent re-air. Um, right. I'm in the process right now for a CBS Sports collaboration I'm doing of ranking the top uh, 10 or so boxing matches of this century, which is the first 20 years. We had a little debate that popped up. Uh, should Cotto Margarito 1 Get the love in hindsight for being the savage war it was producing the indomitable Kodo knee, which we all reference when somebody uh, falls on their own sword to take a break. Or has the fact that uh, Miguel's iPad exposing Tony Marks cheating made that a, a no-no in terms of uh, reliving and loving the, the savagery? You know, it's hard to sit there. <laughs> And like totally get into it, knowing um, Margarito's uh, history with the uh, um, uh, with his uh, glove of choice, unlike the senator. Um, uh, You know, it it was a good fight, but it had such a big asterisk to it because he did take such a beating. And you don't know what was inside the gloves. Later, it was found out, you know, the gloves or the wraps were tampered with whatever came out. Something was tampered with. But. If you can put that aside, I think that does go down as one of the classics. All right. All right. So we'll revisit Gotti Ward on your recommendation. Uh, that HBO Legendary Nights, the final one they did on Gotti Ward. Friggin' fantastic, Alex. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Gotti- yeah, and it's, it's great to also visit, if you get a chance, visit the 24-7s as well, leading up to the fights, um, the HBO fights, and then watch the, the fight after you get through the 24-7 kind of uh, a nice little appetizer to whet the appetite before you go on to the main course. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one for sure. Uh, what do you? What is your take? People really want to know more about this Godinez cad on uh, what the skinheads are trying to pull off. We could have live fights uh, from those guys soon, and that might open the door for Boxeo. Yeah, I mean, enter the uh, the meme of load size uh, large with Dana White on it there. Um, you know, uh, it's always the best when I show my wife those memes, she's like, just shakes her head and like, what the hell are you guys doing on Twitter? It's an aphrodisiac. Um, Tell her. Yes. It always goes down in, in the, uh, Dana White, uh, memes. Um, you know, I think 
uh, I mean, there's a case for it, right? You keep the UFC going, you keep some revenue going for those fighters. Um, but then we find out uh, Dana White may pay a little bit more to extracurricular activities than he does to his fighters. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it, uh, it, that's a hard one to tell. I mean, having Fight Island, all the staff and everything you're going to need to have a, a legit match in case, worst case scenario, somebody gets really hurt. God forbid someone gets killed. All the people you're going to expose to each other. And, you know, just to put it together, even with minimal staff, it, that'd be a hard one to pull off. And, and hopefully doesn't wind up being um, one of the biggest blunders in, in kind of combat sports. Yeah. Uh, getting everybody uh, in such close quarters there. No panache, no flair, no show. Waste of money. <laughs> Uh, people have other uh, questions from you, a noted boxing historian. Uh, a lot of headlines this week for the end of Dan Rayfield's ESPN career after 15-plus glorious years as uh, the, I guess, the go-to media personality yeah. in, in written box. Um, do you have mm-hmm. any favorite Dan Rayfield moments? Uh, you want to sum up his legacy in one fleece jacket? What do you have for us here? Uh, let me first say something. There is a new uh, Dan Raphael, and his name is Rafe Bartholomew, <laughs> and he's from The Athletic. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, will that yeah. fleece follow Dan into Canastota? Hello, hello, Canastota. Uh, <laughs> hello, my boxing fans. Uh, uh, you know, I hope they they take the fleece and hang it in the rafters there at ESPN. Um uh, as a testament to the man. Um, uh, I don't know if he should get a new fleece wherever he goes or the fleece, like you said, winds up in Canastota, but it needs to be enshrined somewhere. And uh, all the best to Mr. Raphael for wherever life takes him. He's obviously knowledgeable in what he does. Love him or hate him. The guy knows boxing, so I wish him nothing but the best. I did work with him for many years there. Got to know the real man, Dan Raphael, underneath some of that, so I do wish him well as well, even though he never gave... Rigandau a fair shake and hashtag never forget after Floyd retired in 2015 Dan put Vladimir Klitschko number one pound for pound I don't think we should ever Mm -hmm. in fact that should be a day that lived in infamy it should but don't forget Dan Ray feels a real man that is well yeah that is true uh in closing here Alex it's great to catch up with you uh the more screen time air time ear hole time you get on the state of combat podcast uh unpaid of course only paid with our love and respect and if you should continue this this fantastic uh deep dive on the drop which you know me being a big fan of this soundboard which is like a a wife to me uh uh Mm -hmm. you know you're honoring my lady here i I couldn't be more excited at where this could go next you're only going to develop more haters whether it's the ulrich andersons of the world the b sample blokes uh so to speak mgc speaks all of our our brothers in this weird fraternity uh do you have any uh message to them anything you want to say um, you know, I love haters. They keep me motivated. Um, it's hard being at the top and staying at the top. You know, uh, heavy is the head that wears the sound drop. Good point. Like the great Mike Coppinger once said on Twitter, uh, if you come at the king, you 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 best not uh, uh, shoot your shoot your load, something like that. 
Something like that. I don't that. know. But just wear, guy, wear turtlenecks now. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, no, never, 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 Mike. Never, please. Yeah. This guy is trying to shoot some bombs. I don't care. A lot of y'all ain't never been hit before. So let's just get that straight. You already know I've been hit. Oh, um, uh, oh did you have any thoughts on Floyd Mayweather's daughter, Maniaya, potentially stabbing someone's mother? Um, I mean, way to get to the point there on that one. <laughs> right? The point is she, I, I, I don't know. Mayweather, Mayweather's got his own problems. I see he's training now, though. Yes, that is good. Following in Uncle Roger's footsteps. I like that. Yeah. Following Uncle Roger's footsteps. Uh, I hope he's successful in training, too. I hope, um, you know, he can also train women how to defend themselves. That I'm sorry, I no, regretted God, that the moment. That, that is, yeah, that I said is, that, and I apologize to the Mayweather family and the money team. Yes, thank you, thank you. We we can't, yeah. we keep no, 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 no. Okay, yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, yeah, trying this to is find, Danny's night. Yes, <laughs> trying to find the right way to sum that up, and I can't find it. All right, well, Alex Godinez, thank you, sir. Uh, I don't know how long it takes you to put together your new art form, but I appreciate it. I await it. We love it. Uh, People can follow you at the real Godinez on Twitter, I believe. Are you on the on the gram as well, or no? No, I am not on the gram, and that is the it is uh, the Alex Godinez, not the real. Oh, I don't know God. who the real you, you one think is. I would be a fan of yours or follow you or something? Wow. Yeah. Okay, what's your name again? I don't, I don't know. Sure. Um, Alex, thank you so much, sir. Uh, my best wishes to you, the Godinez clan. Uh, I mean, could you believe somebody could look at your name and think it was Godinez for a few weeks? Could you even believe that? No, I can't believe it. Uh, it ain't. It's not. It won't. And you're not. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to that fellow. Look, he's a funny dude, man. He fits right into the uh, the thread of what this show is all about. You already know he's the best. Hey, ooh and all that. So shout out to Alex Godinez uh, for maybe maybe Ulrich Anderson is right when he shot that email to Rafe and I. Maybe this man has crossed over to to more of a uh, contributor than just a fan. But uh, step up your game, super fans, okay? Because this guy's coming for you. He's coming for your, your, your bedroom. He's coming for everything, okay? Lock up your kids and your wife's. It is. No, no, no. It is Alex's night, okay? Take that, Danny. Thank you. Uh, we're going to roll on here. And uh, bring in the, the main event here. It is Josh Taylor, the Tartan Tornado, the Unified 140 champ. Good dude, man. It was really cool to finally get him. It's it's cool, I've noticed, to you know, Teofimo Lopez last week and then Josh Taylor this week, to talk to fighters while they're going through this because uh, they're rightfully bored, as we all are. And, uh, you know, it was actually tough to get Teo off the phone last week. He's like, we, I can go hours with you, and I could have for sure. Uh it, it it it's kind of humanizing us all going through this, and it's certainly doing the same for fighters. Where a lot of times when we talk to them, you know, it's a week out or week of a big fight, and they're cutting weight, and their mindset is just dialed in. It can be a different situation to get them now as just regular dudes like us. Uh, what if Josh Taylor was one of us, just a slob like one of us? Well, you're gonna hear it right now. Maybe he is. All right, I love that guy. He's on fire. It's gonna be interesting to see. You know, we all kind of doubted him against Pro Gray, and look what he did. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look at him now, as they would say. But look at him now. Look at him now. That's all I breathe is him. right here. Look at us now. Uh, we're also going to ask him about my boy. 
the Sandman, Lewis Ritson, who has been using Josh Taylor's name in his mouth, not not in nefarious ways, but just saying, let's make this happen. Me on the Geordie Shore, you of the, of the Scottish North, let's make this happen. We'll hear Josh Taylor's thoughts on all that. And then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's your boy BC coming right back at you with JT. Brian Campbell, CBS Sports. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, man. How's yourself? Doing great. Thanks for giving me a few minutes to talk to you. Yeah, no worries at all. Um, I'm not much, do- not doing much now anyway. You know, let me do- let me do what I can do. I'm stuck in the house, bored out my head. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone's the same all over the world. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, man. While it is an unprecedented situation we're going through, and who knows what the future is going to bring, this last year for the damn Tartan tornado has been monster on this half of the pond. We went from not really knowing who Josh Taylor was to especially on this podcast, just falling in love with what you've added to the global boxing scene. Uh, are you still sort of flying and glowing from what you uh, achieved and accomplished winning that WBSS? Yeah, of course, man. Thank thank you for that uh, compliment. That's, uh, it means a lot to me. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, of course. I've, I've only had 16 fights. I've only been professional um, four years, five years, you know, going on five years. So I've only had 16 fights. I'm um, unified world champion. The last four opponents have been world class opponents with a record, uh, a combined record in 94 and 1. You know, so I've, I've fought some of the best fighters on the planet and on the 16 fights. And I believe I've still got a lot of improving to do. And, and still, you're still yet to see the best of Josh Taylor, I think. Um, and I can't wait to get going. I'm just a little bit. You know, pissed that you know this year has kind of all of a sudden been put on a hold because it was on a real good roll and the momentum was flowing and uh, it's been put on hold now. So it's a bit of a, a pain in the backside, but nothing that can be done about it. You know. Yeah, timing was rough because you make that big splash by announcing you signed with Top Rank. That puts you on ESPN in the states. Uh, a major network that has really been pushing with Bob Arum's top rank boxing to the forefront of American culture. So I-, I can understand that frustration. How are you getting by on the idea of uh, keeping yourself mentally and physically fresh? How hard is that? Yeah, it's it's not too hard. Um, you know, I-, I like training. I like keeping fit. You know, so I've got a, I've got a bag set up out in my garage. In the back garden, and I've got a garage uh, garage set up. I've got a, a punch bag set up. I've got a few weights and sandbags and stuff, you know. So I'm still doing uh, going out and working out every day. I'm going running every other day as well, you know. So I'm still keeping myself fit and in shape, um, you know. And um, it's actually given me it's actually a little bit of a blessing in disguise. So it's actually given me a little bit of a time frame where I can work on a few things where, you know. I wasn't so strong at in terms of my physical, my physical sort of abilities, you know, my strength and and things like that, you know, getting a little bit bigger and stronger. So, yeah, um, it's given me it's given me a little bit of a a window to work on things that I couldn't really do when I was in camp and stuff. So, yeah, it's good. I'm I'm keeping positive, um, and my mindset just now is we don't know how long or how short this is going to last. So my mindset at the minute is. You know, the phone could ring at any time and say, right, we've got five, six, seven weeks to get in shape. Um, and we've got a fight. You've got your fight rescheduled. This is the date. And this this is where we're going. So I've got that in my mind. Uh, the phone can go any time. 
and that's what's keeping me in the, in the gym and sort of ticking over and keeping strong and fit. How long do you think you would need if 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 Mr. Bob Arum calls you tomorrow and says we're back on that that mandatory title defense that was going to be your introduction to the states in some ways for people that didn't catch you uh, on the zone in that fantastic World Boxing Super Series? How long would you need from accepting the date to getting in the ring? Um, I'd say I'm pretty fit at the minute now, you know, so I'd probably only six weeks, you know, because obviously I've not had any sparring since. I've had maybe one or two sparring sessions, like two, three sparring sessions I've had since my last fight, you know. Um, and, you know, so all, all I would need to do is, is sharpen the tool. So I'd condense my sparring for four weeks, you know, and um, get in tip-top shape and get, in, get nice nice and fit, you know, nice and sharp again, sharpen the tools. That's all I would really need because I'm, I'm actually quite fit at the minute. I'm nice and uh, in good shape, so... I wouldn't need too long, to be honest. All, all I would need to do was get uh, cram my sparring and to sharpen the tools. Fantastic. Uh, I, I mentioned the the big splash you made. You've also had so much change in your professional life in this past year. Let's start with yeah. uh, with Bob Arum's top rank there. Uh, we, we call him Grandpa on this show. We're big fans. He, he loves to talk to us about his... Uh, glory days and uh his his preference for marijuana to get through the quarantine but uh what drew you to sign with him uh and make this change at this critical point in your your breaking off period um well the reason most of the i wasn't really sort of happy where i was in the, in the time and the people around me i wasn't really happy um and in, in the situation i don't want to get too much into it but um i wasn't really happy with things that was going on so and the other big drive was, you know, I know that, you know, Ramirez is with top rank, so I thought the fight would be much easier to make. You know, the big, all the big fights, all the big names are with top rank in America, especially at 147 as well. You know, so I just think it would be easier for the fights to make. And, you know, Bob Arum and, you know, ESPA and top rank are the biggest platform in America. So it was a no-brainer for me, and I think it was the best moves um, I could have made, um, and it should be it should be easy for to make these fights happen now. So I'm just knocking on the door and making them a reality. I just need to take care of the mandatory defence and then go for the the real target, Ramirez. You know, and uh, and and take his belts off him as well. Oh, that'd be a great fight, obviously, that so many boxing fans want. All four belts on the line. A part of this change was you switching trainers, bringing in Ben Davison, uh, the yeah. the young top bloke who, of course, we remember from guiding Tyson Fury's comeback. With that is some of the stuff you referenced, the bitter end with the McQuigan family. We've seen Shane basically say he regrets ever training you. Is this a distraction still in your life, or have you been able to sort of close that book? I've closed that book. I closed that book a long while ago. You know, um, you know, it, it's a bit of a shame. You know, because I got along, I got along well with with, um, with Shane quite well. But you know, I wasn't happy with all the things that was happening. So I wasn't going to stick around with people that I don't trust. You know, so I had to, I had to move on, and I, and I did that. And I, I'm happy. You know, I'm happy. I found another trainer, a fresh start, a fresh beginning, and uh, I'm flying. You know, I'm, I'm, I was really starting to get on a roll with Ben. We were starting to get to know each other the way we worked, and uh, it was good. So this this is a bit frustrating that this has happened at this time, because um, I could be using something like this downtime to be training with Ben and you know working on things and gelling together even more. But obviously with the lockdown, we can't do it. We've got to keep our distances and all that carry on. So um, I can't do it. So it's a little bit frustrating at the time. So 
I'm just keeping myself fit and strong at the minute, you know? Absolutely. And Ben is a, a, a rising name in the training ranks. Uh, I love the defensive-minded presence that he brought to Fury, especially entering that first Wilder fight. What type of uh, changes can we expect from your ga- uh, game plan with Ben in your corner? I think just the more, not too, not too much different, to be honest. I think the style I've got and the, the way I fight is working. And it'll work against any fighter, you know, the, the style that I've got. But a little, a little bit of tweakness, a little tweaky, sort of sharpening the tools, a little bit defensively, a little bit more with the feet as well. I felt I was a wee bit planting my feet a little bit too much the last last fight, um, in the last two fights. You know, I've got great footwork. I've got great head movement, which I kind of neglected a little bit in the last two fights as well. So just polishing up on skills that I kind of neglected. Um, and I believe Ben is a very good coach for for bringing the best of that out of me, you know, with the defences and head movement and the feet, keeping just a more polished fighter, a more a more um, complete fighter, you know. Um, I'll be almost the almost the finished article, you know. I, I don't believe you ever do become the finished article because I always believe that there's always a fighter's always improving. I don't believe that you ever know it all. I always believe you can improve. So I'll be I'll be closer to being the the best fighter I can be. Well, look, let's be really honest uh, from an American boxing point of view. When we see a, a, a top guy come out of the U.K., we're always a little bit skeptical. We want him to fly over, land on American soil, and really prove himself, uh, even if it's up to the level of a Hall of Famer like Ricky Hatton. We needed to see him on this level against the Mayweathers and Pacquiao's, and certainly he proved himself, despite not winning those fights, to be the real deal. When you entered this WBSS, the hardcores knew your name. But I don't think any of us expected that you would have been able to dig deep and obviously just referencing that Regis Progray fight, the levels of, of toughness and and ability to brawl and ability to bite down. You won over so many fans, as I referenced. I don't know if you just don't look the part of a killer, but has that been a, a thing that's followed you your whole career from the amateurs to pros where people maybe by appearance overlooked you? I don't know. I don't know. I've seem to have had that a lot um, in the later stages of my amateur career. I've done really well. Um, I went to the European Championships with one hand um, and lost on a split decision to the the Russian who went on to win it um, in my third fight. You know, so and then again with the the World Championships, I went with one like one hand. I had the hand problem for um, about eighteen months. I could only use my my right hand, and um, you know, I went to the World Championships. And I won my first fight, and then I fought the Kazakh in Kazakhstan, and I again lost on a sort of split decision, and he went on to win it. So I was proving my class. I knew I was world class. I've never been, I've never been out my depth with anybody I've been in the ring with. You know, I've maybe been outpointed in the amateur system a couple of times um, when it was a computer scoring, but I've never ever been in in the ring with anybody in my whole life that I've ever been outclassed. You know, or or outgunned or outmanned I've always held more of my own it's always just been a, a really you know close fight or a real close split decision in my amateur amateur career and um, I was sparring with the top professionals when I was an amateur and, and I've had I've had good up, upcoming with sparring professionals and I've, I've always did well you know so I don't know why but I just always seemed to get it maybe just because I was a little lad from Scotland you know up against English lads most of the time or I don't know but I always have seemed to have been um, the sort of underdog in the dark horse 
which I don't mind because then there's no hype, there's no there's no pressure, there's no nothing. You know, I come I come up under the radar and I've shocked the whole world, as you said. So I know I can beat anyone in the world. And now now you guys over the pond are starting to take notice now as well. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got votes for Fighter of the Year in, in many publications voting in a very crowded pool, I might add. There were, there were some great uh, runs last year of big-name fighters who had great years. And then your bout with Regis Program that I referenced, October in Greenwich, uh, O2 Arena, the – the backdrop was certainly electric, but the fight you guys put in there uh, was amazing. Not only fight of the year contender, not only two unbeatens coming together in a unification, uh, but it was a, it was a brawl, but yet a, a technical brawl. It was really the best that boxing could produce. When you talk about two guys in their prime, so much at stake, so much heart, so much talent. Um, did you know that you were going to be able to swim in the deep end? Like you did against uh, Progre, the way you did. Yeah, with a hundred percent. I've I've always known I've had that in me. I've had it since I was a little little kid, been brought up fighting, fighting in the street against guys twice my size, twice my weight, you know, and fighting as a as a young as a young kid is in the in the boxing game. I've I've always had it, you know. I've always had that that viciousness in me and, and the dark side, the badness in me. I've had I've always had a bad streak and killer in me. Um, Outside the ring, I couldn't be any nicer, any more gentle. And but when that switch goes, the switch goes. And I've always had it my whole life, so I've never ever questioned myself or ever even double thought about anything about if I if I've got the heart to dig deeper, would I be able to do that? I know I have, and I've proved it to you guys there against progress. Um, you know the last the last almost three rounds, I couldn't see anything on my right hand side. I couldn't even see my my, my my own jab going out, so never mind punches come another way. So um, I just I just bit down that gum shield, and there was no way the guy was beating me. And um, you know, I, like get and another and another uh, another fight. If my eye hadn't closed up, um, I reckon they wouldn't have got near me in the last two rounds, three rounds. But it did nothing you can say about it. Um, I, I boxed three rounds, almost three rounds with one eye, and um, I did all right. I did all right. The boy come through. You know, had, did you know when 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 you're standing in the ring, one eye shut, going to the scorecards, really a turning point moment. You know, you lose that, we're still gonna love you, but you win that, you're the unified champion. You go on to sign with top rank, you're a rising star. In that moment, did you realize the levels of of really what happened there, the the classic that you two authored? We knew it was a good fight. All I know is I actually really enjoyed the fight. I had a great time in there, to be honest. I maybe never looked like it at the end, but um, I had a great time in there. Um, I had a good fight. Regis had a good fight. He enjoyed it himself as well, so fair play to him as well. He gave me a good fight. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until maybe a couple of weeks after it, um, after I come home, I went on holiday with a girlfriend, come back and I watched the fight and um, watched it back a couple of times and the buzz around my hometown back home as well, you know, and the news and the boxing world, it was just like, wow, I was a part of that, you know, I, I did well there. So yeah, I'm I'm proud of I'm proud of what I've done and, and my achievements and yeah, of course they uh, produced a great fight for the fans. Um hopefully an all time um one of the fight fan fans favourites, you know, one of the favourites hopefully. So yeah, it was a great fight and I'm glad to have been a part of it.
Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the UK because we've been jealous as American fans the last few years. Uh, boxing is, is on an upswing in the, in the States, but you know, it competes so heavily with the team sports and can get buried sometimes outside of the big fights. Yet we tune in, whether it's Eddie Hearn or, or, or any number of promoters in the UK that are doing great things. And the crowd atmospheres, the rush, the adrenaline, the, the pure passion of the fans uh, over there is incredible. In fact, if you guys could could sell that drug, you know, by the gram, it would be incredible because uh, what the hell is going on over there, Josh? Uh, anywhere there's fights in the UK, it feels like people are just uh, acting like it's, you know, Ali versus Frazier every time. Yeah, well, but... Great Britain and Scotland, the fans, the fans are, the fans are amazing. They're very passionate. Um, Britain, Ireland, and Scotland, uh, you know, it's, it's a small place to be honest. And boxing is, is uh, was was born here. You know, boxing was born here, and it's a it's a passion that everybody likes. Everybody likes to see a good fight. Everybody likes to see entertainment. And uh, boxing, obviously, there's not as much people in Great Britain or Britain in the UK and Ireland that there is in America. So. There's also there's a smaller bunch of audience that you you, you can reach out to. So um, this the sport is huge. The sport, and every time there's a good fight on, the, almost the whole country will see it and tune in and watch it. So everybody loves a good fight over here, and uh, the, the fans the fans are brilliant, um, especially in Scotland as well. The, the atmosphere that the guys make at my fights in Scotland are just uh, unbelievable. They're second to none. Um, if you ever get a chance to come over to oh, one of yeah. my fights, I would recommend yeah. doing it because the, the atmosphere and the fans and the, the just the noise they make and just the it can be quite daunting for the away fighters um, coming over because they make it so hostile and so passionate and you know it's just a it's just a, it's amazing you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have them any other way. Well, I've been arguing lately that we should bring the big fights in the States over there rather than the other way around just to, you know, get a taste of that. So of all the top blokes over in your parts over there, including Ireland, all of the UK, uh, who's the best fans? Is there a certain area? I'm sure everybody's got bragging rights, but uh, I, I saw a couple fights in the, uh, in the uh, Geordie area and those guys are pretty nuts too. Who, who's the craziest fans out that way? I don't know. Do you know what? I'm not, I'm not sure, but obviously I'm going to have to be biased and say the Scottish fans are the best fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're just everywhere in Britain, to be honest. You know, if if there's somewhere from um, some city, if there's someone from some city like Newcastle, you've got Lewis Ritson, uh, Liverpool, you had Tony Bell, you, you know, everywhere, Manchester, Ricky Hatton, you know, so all these, all these people, uh, we've got these fighters that come through from one of the cities, they just back them 100% and get right behind them and, and support them 100%. So it's it's a really it's a great thing with, with Britain being so small. Um and it doesn't matter where you're from either, you know, it could be it could be someone from Manchester and is a huge name in Scotland as well and all the Scottish fans will travel down to the fights and get tickets and and go watch them as well. You know, so they all just, they all just support each other and it's it's a it's a really good day and special atmosphere. 
All right, you mentioned Lewis Ritson. And on our show, we've fallen in love with this guy. Win or lose, the Jordy Golovkin brings it. He gets in there and he bangs. Uh, I think he's over his head a little at 140, but he's been throwing your name out there, not with disrespect, but, you know, hoping to get you into a fight. I know that might not be of the career-defining nature that you're looking towards. Jose Ramirez, you know, moving up to welterweight and what's there. But could we see the Sandman against the Tartan Tornado? Would that be something that interests you? Listen, it's a possibility. Anything in boxing, anything in boxing is possible, you know. Um, obviously, you know, if I, if I have to... Um, I think he's a W. He'll be he'll be in the WBA rankings. Am I correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, he will, he will be. Yeah. So if I go ahead and fight, um, go ahead and fight uh, Kung Song from my IBF mandatory. Then go ahead and fight Ramirez. After that, I might have to do a mandatory for my WBA, which then might be written. So um, yeah, if the, if the money's right and the place is right, the venue's right, and yeah, yeah, why not? You know, I think it would be a great fight and what an atmosphere that fight would be. The, the Scots and the Georges um, in opposing corners would be, the atmosphere would just be electric, you know. So, yeah, why not? I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't shut it out completely like it's not an option, but at this time and uh, point in time, um, my eyes are on other targets, you know, which is to become undisputed champion and then hopefully move up and wait and make big fights up to 147. But if it comes and everything's right, then then why not? Then why not? You know, I think it would be a great fight. I've met Lewis once or twice. He's a good lad. And, uh, you know, I've not a bad word to say about him. He's, he's a good lad, you know, and I'm pretty sure it would be a great fight because he leaves it all in the ring, and as do I. So I'm sure it would be the makings of a good fight. And, um, you know, so so why not? Why not? All right, you're on a collision course for Jose Ramirez. Two unbeatens. Uh, that's all four titles at 140. But signing with top rank and considering the landscape in boxing's money division, welterweight, the sexy division, it would seem like all roads lead to Terrence Crawford, whether you beat Ramirez or he beats you, Regis Progress still in the mix, etc. Do you see that as your ultimate sort of uh, prize down at the end of the road, or do you have other plans? Yeah, of course. If whoever's got the belts, whoever's got the belts, whoever's the big name, that's who I want to fight. Who's who's deemed to be number one? That's who I want to fight. You know, um, I want to be. I'm in this spot to challenge myself against the best, and I want to be the best. So that's that's my target. Whoever's number one or whoever's the best, that's who I want to fight because I want to be the best. You know, so I'm not fear. I'm not fear. I do not fear anybody. I don't fear any any man. It's in that opposite side of the corner. So I don't. I don't fear anybody. I have no fear inside of me. So I just. Uh, uh, if it comes, let's do it. You know, so I'm I'm in this sport to to be the best I can be, and if uh, if these fights come ahead, then absolutely fantastic. So, um, but I'm not going to run out and beg. And you know, if it comes, it comes. You know, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Then I'll maybe have to start shouting about and mouthing <laughs> off. But that's not my style. You know, I would rather just do it, go about my business in the ring, well, and the- uh, and then make make the fights happen that way. Well, the way things are structured politically in U.S. boxing with all of the PBC welterweights on one side of the street and Terrence Crawford, unfortunately, sort of on his own island, it does get us excited knowing that you 
Progre, Jose Ramirez are all on that side. But I've been seeing more people than normal throw your name around which lately, which certainly is yeah. a, a product of your success. Uh, a month ago, yeah. Mikey Garcia doing a bunch of interviews saying you are a fight yeah. at 140 he would love. Just last week on my podcast, Teofimo Lopez told me when he's done with Lomachenko, maybe bring on Josh Taylor. I'm ready. Uh, how do you feel about hearing, hearing everybody's uh, using your name in their mouth? Well, obviously, I'm at the top now, so I've got the target on my back. But the, having these guys mention my name um, is, is brilliant, you know. And, you know, it, it keeps me motivated because I've got all these fighters that want to fight me. And I'm not scared to fight them. I want to fight these guys as well. Guys like Mikey Garcia, I think, is a great fighter. Awesome fighter. You know, um, hard puncher, great timing, good movement. You know, you've got Ramirez as well. You've got Progress. And also Teofimo Lopez as well is another good fighter coming through. So... Um, yeah, all these guys that are mentioning my name and the fight with Terence Crawford is obviously the cream of the crop. And, uh, you know, if you put me in that opposite corner, 100% I believe I can win that fight. You know, um, people might say, oh, he's not ready and blah, 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 like I get all the time if I've had most of my career. Um, you know, I, I don't bother about any of that. I know 100% in my own mind that if I'm in that opposite corner, I can win that fight. I've got the makings to to make that an upset. If I was, if I beat Terence Crawford, that's an upset in everybody else's eyes, but not in my eyes, it's not. Wow, wow. I want to close with this, Josh. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and sort of uh, give everybody a chance who hasn't really heard about you and your story, get to, get to know you a little bit more. I saw some headlines of a coronavirus prank involving Billy Joe Saunders, and you got kicked off an airplane. What the heck's going on here? Can you give us the real deal, Holyfield, on what happened? Well, what happens, you know, it turned out to be a, it turned out to be a bit of a, a bit of a joke, you know. But um, one of the guys, um, the man, like the team, sorry, team, sorry, manager, we call him, is uh, Tom. He, he was coughing and spluttering for the past couple of days, and uh, Billy Joe Saunders went home the day before, but he was still, he was saying like, oh, he doesn't feel well and stuff, and told Billy Joe this, and so Billy Joe phoned up the airport and said, you know, he might have coronavirus, and. Um, you know, obviously, I concerned for him. You know, so um, the guy he got chucked off the plane, as did myself and Ben as well, because we were travelling alongside them. So we had to wait for the next plane out of Vegas. So we had to wait ten hours and then jump on the next flight. So it was a bit of a pain in the backside, but we got home eventually. <laughs> this guy, Billy Joe Saunders, he's crazy. Josh Taylor, he's always getting in trouble. <laughs> he's a good laugh. He's yeah, he actually he's a good laugh. To be honest, he's a. Uh, you know, it does. It maybe doesn't think things through a lot, but um, you know, he he has a good laugh and he is a good person as well. He does a lot of good work as well. So he is a, he is a you know nobody's perfect, as they say, and uh, but he has a good laugh. All right. In closing, here once again, Josh Taylor. Uh, how soon are you expecting? that this all ends. I know nobody really knows. Dana White and the UFC is trying to buy an island to put fights on. Other promoters are telling me maybe we do studio shows with no guests in the crowd and set up a ring inside of a TV studio. When do you see no, all this my, That would be my worst nightmare, fighting in a studio with no guests and no nothing, you know, and just TV cameras. That would be my worst nightmare, you know. A, that's just like a sparring, sparring match on TV, which is, which is no good. That would be, be hard to get up for that one, I think. I'm with you on that. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. Stay fit. Stay mentally ready. Uh, I know you will be. He's a top bloke. 
He's he's your IBF WBA champion at 140. Josh Taylor, uh, any message for the fans out there, these new American fans that you're picking off left and right about what's coming for you to close 2020? Yeah, just um, obviously the fans that already know me. Thanks, thanks for your support and thanks for your continued support. Fans that maybe don't know me, um, tune in and watch some of my fights and watch my and keep an eye on me for my next fight because hopefully you get on the the journey and we can uh, I can be on the radar for some big fights and uh, provide you all with some big and exciting fights for the future. So thanks, um, thanks in advance, and uh, I hope to see you all soon on stateside. Thanks so much, Josh. Take care. No problem. Add yourself. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. What a good dude. Special thanks again to Josh Taylor, a top bloke, a quality individual as well. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Frank Warren. Do we, do we still have you? Do we still have you on this board? See, you got to understand, this soundboard is out of control, okay? It's out of control. You're lucky any time I can queue up a sound within five seconds of somebody referencing something. It's, it's, it's nearly impossible, but uh, uh, Josh Taylor is that dude. If we can find it, okay. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. No, 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 Dwight. Let's talk about uh, uh, good people that we like on this show, right? Because that's how men roll. That's how men do it. Thank you. Can't find the sound drop. All right. Hey, great moments in podcasting history right there. You're a, you're, you're a quality operator, a quality bloke, a quality fighter. Thank you. Thank you. Indeed. All right. Um, what can you expect in the near future on the state of combat podcast uh look the, the the mma news cycle is always changing so please i encourage you to check out the skinhead show the state of combat mma podcast each week sugar rashad evans the ufc hall of famer jumping on not only are we sort of chopping up breaking down the constant news cycle of dana white can he pull off this craziness can he not and by the way there is like i mentioned earlier a boxing connection to a lot of this because i think once somebody breaks that seal whether it's the state of florida commission allowing pro sports or dana white pushing forward to make it happen everyone will follow, including boxing, including other states. So it's all connected. And also, uh, we've been doing a little thing called Storytime with Rashad. Uh, we did a two-hour pod two weeks ago where Rashad Evans went back in the archives with me, relived every second of his Season 2 victory in the Ultimate Fighter reality show. Uh, a lot of crazy stories came out that he that he pissed his pants in the middle of the octagon and no one noticed during that, that victory fight over uh, Brad Imes to win that tough championship at heavyweight. Also a good story on this week's SOC MMA pod in which Rashad Evans breaks down one time as UFC champion when three drunkards uh, harassed him in a hotel uh, hallway, knocked on his door, forced their way in, and he... <laughs> he did the business. He 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 shared a few uh, three piece in in sodas, as as Jorge Masvidal would say. Good little piece of business there. Check that out. Um, always looking for fun guests in, in the future, and uh, we got some coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Jim Ross, the the great WWE Hall of Famer, current voice of AEW, is going to come on and tell some great stories. And uh, if you lived in the '90s like I did, and I know you did, you remember my guy Joe Bob Briggs. From uh, T TNT's Monster Vision, from TMC's uh, Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater. Uh, God, I love that guy in the '90s. Uh, I've secured him. We're gonna we're gonna have a nice little chat with that fella. He's got a fun project coming up. So uh, try to dip a little bit deeper into those '90s archives. Get some special guests on while we wait this quarantine out. But I hope you're all are safe here. Uh, we want to help out the fighters too. So let's let's throw to a, a fun interview with my guy Chris J, a guy connected deep into the boxing game. Uh, enjoy it right now. It's coming at you. 
All right, I want to bring in one of the good brothers in this sport of box. If you don't know him, you should, because he's uh, he's kind of a Forrest Gump in this industry. It's my man, Chris <laughs> J. Uh, you work with Contenders Clothing. You're regular at the Knuckleheads Boxing Gym, and I think you've held every position from uh, manager, PR, journalist in this game. But how's everything going, man? Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going great. Thanks for asking, Brian. Um, everything is very positive considering what we're going through and yeah that that's me you sum me up i've done everything in boxing but make money and i'm okay with that you know i, I love it it's, it's a the labor of love you know i want to get uh later to uh to you're also a rock star i hope the people know that i hope the people have their army of freshmen uh cd collection handy. <laughs> you know i you know it's funny i have i do wear two different hats like that and i kind of keep it chill i don't think a lot of people in boxing know my my, my music and and movie stuff i kind of keep them separate and my music movie people don't know anything about my boxing stuff so <laughs> you know I, I i try not to cross wires so to speak ghostbusters well, we haven't crossed paths since that Showtime boxing card in New York when uh, Jamal Charlo took on your fighter, uh, Francisco Chia Santana, and he was game. He was game, man. Yeah, well, you know, actually, it was Jarrett Hurd. I'm sorry, Hurd Jarrett Hurd. I, I, I'm confusing yeah. the names. And uh, he, he made that uh, a pretty damn close fight. You know, he really did, and uh, we were, couldn't be more proud of him. I thought he fought as, as good as he could. It's just such an overwhelming size difference. I mean, yeah, we discussed it prior to. We knew why we were there, why Chia was there. I mean, he, he's a welterweight. Jarrett Hurd is, is a super middleweight, you know, um, and, you know, I don't think they wanted anybody that was going to uh, risk Jarrett Hurd essentially getting knocked out, but they wanted somebody game and I mean, nobody gave him a prayer, Brian. Nobody thought he was going to end that fight standing on his feet. So we looked at it like a Rocky moment. We were like, yo, we're 147 and went in there against a guy that was probably 175 that night. And we gave him hell. And we thought we did a lot better than the judges gave us. I mean, we don't think we won the fight, but we thought it was a heck of a lot closer. And when they announced the scores, you were there. You know, Barclays was booing their heads off. I mean, I, I don't think people thought Chia won. But it's also very heartbreaking and disrespectful when a judge gives you one round True. when you fight that hard. You know, and he made that fight fun, dude. Hurd was kind of just running and moving. I mean, Chia was pressing the action. He connected a lot. And Hurd even said afterwards, like, man, I was a lot tougher than I thought. But nobody writes about that. They just write about, oh, Jared Hurd didn't knock him out. And that's, that's what's tough about being the B guy, you know, when you have an A-level night. But people still visualize you as a B guy, and, and I, I just tweaked out on that. But and, there you go. And Jared Hurd tried to f around and employ a new style that wasn't working, and was getting booed out of the building for it. Uh, you were there representing Chia as a manager, which is another hat that you hold in this game. And of course, mm -hmm. Chia was trained by a guy we love on this show, uh, Coach Haas, Joseph Janik. Um, how are you doing in that manager side of things? Are you building a stable here? Is this the next Al Heyman? <laughs> No, yeah, well, I hang him from music too, right? So yeah, I'm following in the right footsteps. Uh, you know, occasionally I bump into somebody that needs a little help or, you know, I'm close friends with and I, I, I do what I can. Um, so, you know, it's not definitely, that's not like a passion, if you will. I mean, it's a nightmare more than anything else. But, you know, if the right, if, if, if the shoe fits every once in a while, if I like somebody, I'll, I'll help them out a bit. Well, I told you afterwards I was involved with the uh, fighter meetings that day before uh, 
Jarrett Hurd and, and Francisco Santana. I was uh, working on the uh, countdown show on the undercard stream, but uh, you came in with your fighter, and I think you won over every member of the Showtime broadcast crew as like an old school WWE manager or something like uh, you know ch- shouting up your fighter's backstory and the fact that he's going to be in this fight, he's going to have a chance. Yeah, I'm like somebody needs to put a microphone in front of this guy. No wonder you're a front man in a band, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I do some I do some announcing and coverage on some smaller streams and stuff like that but you know it's it's funny you know i said that um those fighter meetings are always so great and that was a really good one everybody was vibing and laughing and you have so so many personalities on the showtime team but i gotta tell you something though brian i'm gonna be straight up with you you know i was very disappointed in that commentary after the fact because i thought we had them on our side listen i know they got to call it as they see it that's the game of course right but man, oh man, I don't, I don't really think those guys were uh, understanding what she was trying to do in there. I'll make it very blunt. You know, he, Polly, I love Polly, but Polly says check hook and he says cutting off the ring 35 times in the 30 second conversation. <laughs> you know, you could ask him what he wants for lunch and it's like, I want a check hook and I'm going to cut off the ring, <laughs> you know? So, you know, he kept saying that, but when you are a little guy, I'm going to talk about basic boxing for your listeners that actually do fight or train, you know? If you got a guy and all he wants to do is hit you with a right uppercut, you need to stay to the right all freaking night. If there's a bigger man in front of you, don't stand in the line of fire, you know? So he was kind of getting chastised on the commentary for not going like, well, how come he's not cutting off the ring? Well, if you're in there with a the guy that may have 25 pounds on you, you got to work off the outside. So even though that may involve a little chasing, he was having more success out there because look at what happened in that fight. Ten seconds left. He stepped in the middle of the ring, went toe-to-toe, took that big cut that Paulie wanted, and he got dropped. So it's like sometimes you hear this commentary and you're like, the guy also has to survive. As much as you want to see a bloodbath in there, we got to find a way to try and win a fight, right, with also not playing into what the guy was looking. Heard size guys up all night. He waits for them to take that step. So Anyway, as much as we had a great time with all those fighter meetings, and I thought my boy Al and Paulie were going to show mad love. They just went with this, you know. They get you get that you get that agenda that those guys, those commentators, roll with, brother. You know how it is, and it's hard to get them to steer the ship in another direction. Yeah, I mean, I was, as pro as they are, Bernstein is one of the all-time best. There's always a sort of a storyline, a narrative, and it's so hard to break guys of that mid-fight. You know, it sometimes it takes history to change how these guys address it. But so again, that's true. just me. That's me nitpicking. You no, know? no, you, you you fought for your fighter, and I don't think you were wrong in that, as Paulie would say. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. I think you had the score right on some of those things. But, you know, not everybody hears Jimmy on the same thing. People pick up different things, different uh, narratives, like you said, coming in, and they stick with them. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, love and, to- and, and when when you fight a name like that, when you fight an A guy, it's the A guy story. It always is. It always will be. That's a sport, right? So unless you pull off a major upset, the storyline has to revolve around the A guy. He's the star. Whether he does good or bad, that's going to be the headline the next day. It won't be Chia Santana does better than expected. It'll be heard does less than expected. And and that's very tough. There's fighters out there. I love guys like Chia. He's one of the nicest guys on planet Earth. And there's a lot of guys at his level that are those high level B guys that can kind of dip their toe in the A water. But sometimes I think these guys, you know, in many cases, like the other Mauricio Herrera's of the world, they'll occasionally win fights or at least eke out a draw. And then you get the card and it's all Adelaide birded up and they didn't even get around. And you're like, you cannot tell me that that judge didn't have a preconceived notion of what they were going to see. It's one of the biggest problems with boxing, right? I mean, how many lives would be altered if scorecards were right? 
I mean, that's it's it's very difficult to be a B guy at any level. As Paulie also once said, boxing is full of shit. I used to love this game, but uh, uh, there's no boxing at the moment, of course, as we are no. navigating this uh, quarantine. But I want to bring you on and, and shout out what's going on with the Contenders Clothing Company, who you do some great work with. Uh, if anyone doesn't feel like they know them. They make those badass boxers, the uh, the the Muhammad Ali, the Rocky franchise, the Karate Kid, Cobra Kai franchise, uh, and so mm-hmm. much more. Um, this fun you guys are putting together to help the fighters really popped me when I read about it. Please tell our listeners about it. Uh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Basically, you know, Contenders is a uh, company that predominantly boxer briefs all has a great line of T-shirts too. You had mentioned they have the Rocky line, the Muhammad Ali line. I help them out a lot. And what's really happened in the past year is they've been embraced by the boxing community. There's just no doubt about it. You know, um, fighters all over the world uh, at weigh-ins have been wearing contenders. It started very organic. And then they kind of brought me along with my connections in the boxing industry to say, hey, you know, these people, this is a wonderful world. And you know about it. Can you help us get more product and more of these guys? And let's, let's build this, for lack of a better word. That's what we've been doing over the past year. That's how you and I got to meet at a contenders party in L.A. And uh, what happened was things are really going in the right direction. Like, you know, we were really like developing this boxing situation and these are our people and it's my world and it's great. And it, we help anybody out. Our thing is like, as much as kind of, we're known for Tyson Fury wearing us, Brian, we're just as happy to give an Owen five fighter on a four round undercard in the middle of nowhere, some product too, because it's, it's one in the same, you know, we, we, it's, it's just great. And when this happened, man, and, and I know you've spoken about it on the podcast, a missing element of this, as much as you and I talk about it, how much we want the big fights back and are the big guys going to fight each other when they come back and are there going to be fights with, with no audiences and what's going to happen? There is a world of club fighter out there, right? Maybe that's not the right name, but there is a world of four round, six round guys, Brian, that maybe they're not the A sides, they're the B sides, but they supplement their income or in some cases make their entire income through fighting. Right. Off TV shows, uh, on on the undercard, on televised walkout bouts. And again, I'm not talking about the young hot prospects that top rank already grabbed and they're building them. I'm talking about the guys that fight those guys. And these are some guys that have often worn us and really embraced the company. Before some of the world champions found out about contenders, it was these smaller guys that was wearing us, right? So we're like, we want to do something to help these guys because we know them personally. We know situations of guys that are flat out unemployed that. Fights got, I mean, that first weekend, if you remember correctly, when everything hit hard, like mid-March, right? Do you remember that that was a massive fight weekend? It was just St. Patrick's Day weekend. I mean, there were club shows all over the United States. And I knew all these guys that were lined up to wear us. One by one, the calls came in, the Instagrams came in that all these fights are canceled. I know people that were counting on that money to, 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 to pay the bills, to feed their kids. So long story short, we put our heads together and we came up with this idea of coming up with a fund for fighters no strings attached man no red tape no show us your w9 or w2 just flat out sign up for it at the website we're going to take 10 percent of all sales in the month of april from april 1 to may 1 anything that comes in no matter what we're going to take 10 percent of it put it in this fund and in addition i think the really cool thing that could really make the fund bigger is we did a, a exclusive fundraiser t-shirt it's going the social distance, right? So it's, it's, got the, it's got the going the distance Rocky thing, going the <laughs> social distance. Um, it's for sale on our site. And literally every penny that comes in from that, Brian, is going into this fund. 
every single penny, That's no awesome. strings attached. There's no, there's no small print at the bottom. So we're going to take all the money from this one shirt. We're going to take 10% of all sales. We put it in a big pot and come May 1st, every fighter that signed up, we don't care who you are, how big you are, what your record is. If you're an active pro that was affected by this, we're just going to split the pot, man. Nice and easy. We're just going to send money out to every single person. So if there's 10 people in that pot, they're all getting an equal thing. If there's 50 people on that list, if there's 5,000 people, because again, we don't know the reach that this is ultimately going to have. Everybody will get something. It is not a savior check. You know, it's not the <laughs> stimulus check, but listen, if we can, if we can, I'm very serious when I say this, if we can pay somebody's electric bill next month through this, or we can make sure that the family gets groceries for a week through this, you know, I don't want to throw a number out because we don't know what that's going to be. It could be low or high, but we want to do that. I mean, nobody's doing this. Nobody's looking out for these guys. This is not for the Charlo brothers. You know what I mean? This is for some guy who's fighting off TV and, you know, he's making a thousand bucks in a four rounder and, and, and he needs it desperately. And, and that's, that's the vision of this. It's the fighting for fighters fund and can find it at contendersclothing.com. And if you buy the social distance t-shirt, boom, every single penny will go towards these fighters. And we want to give it directly to them without having to wait for the state unemployment agency to set up the W-9 contractor worker checks that are going to take two months to get out. That's so that's, that's a general thing, man. We, we, it's not, you know, Brian, it, again, it's not a game changer. I wish we were bigger. God, I wish we were a massive company you know, that could really do this and have a major impact, you know, like, Hey, sign up, we're paying your rent. And we would do that. You got to understand. I mean, 10% of a major company is a lot of money, right? I mean, we could literally say, Hey, if you're a fighter affected by this, we got your rent next month. That's not what this is, but we may be able to get your groceries or pay some bills and, and help and just throw some of that goodwill out there. These fighters were there supporting us and all of a sudden they get in trouble and we're just like, we need to sell more underwear. Like that's not what it's about. And I wouldn't want to be involved with a company that thought that way. So it's great that they're doing this. And that's basically the gist of how it works. If that all makes sense. I love it. Go to, I hope all of our listeners go to contendersclothing.com. And, I, and I'm telling you, if you feel like you haven't heard of them, you've seen, uh, fighters wearing these. You've seen the t-shirts. I got the, the Rocky Beats Drago shirt or uh, the Rocky Beats Clubber Lang one as well. Um, there are some fantastic stuff on contendersclothing.com, especially that Karate Kid line, man. That pops me big time. I mean, look, you can come for the, uh, the Rocky draws. You can wear basically Rocky's, uh, <laughs> the, the ones he wore in each, in each movie to fight. You can get the underwear yeah. boxer equivalent. But uh, I'm in it for the Karate Kid hats, so I hope everybody are you, it. Are you a Karate Kid man over oh, Rocky? Like when, when all the chips are down? Well, Karate Kid all the way. I love Rocky, believe me, but I'm a Karate Kid man all the way. So when I saw that that uh, hat, that, the trucker hat, which basically has the uh, the the Miyagi symbol on it, I was uh-huh. fired up. Wow. So at the end of the day, you take Karate Kid 1 over Rocky 1? <sighs> yes. I don't I'm know not saying now- a better movie. I'm just saying personal taste. Personal taste, I would say I was I was in love with both franchises at the same time. They both are, are in a lot of ways, you know, spreading the same message of overcoming and underdog stuff. Um, and, and and it's the director, uh, John Appleton, directed who directed exactly. Rocky One, also directed Karate Kid One, which is an interesting little now. Would tidbit, I take you know? Rocky Four over Karate Kid One? Uh, probably not, because Rocky Four no, suddenly no, turned no. into like an eighties Schwarzenegger like action movie. I mean, it's it's its own course, separate genre. It's amazing. But uh, shout out to what you guys got going on. Great hats. Love the connection with the the Karate Kid and Rocky. I mean, can we can we expand with Contenders Clothing? Can we? Is there any other future franchises that they're uh, <laughs> that they're sniffing at? Yeah, 
you know, I mean, you know, the big one for us that was really cool was the Ollie thing because that that is such a prestigious thing. You know, Ollie's face has been on everything on earth except for boxer briefs. So we got the Rocky line, we got the Karate Kid line, we started the Ollie line, which will probably hopefully expand got our eyes on one or two more things and uh a lot of our original stuff is starting to do really well at what we call our fight club you know uh some of uh, the athletic t-shirts that we have we're really looking to ultimately the dream would be brian is to kind of expand into athletic uh gear actual training gear you know like yeah. shorts just you know high level really classy stuff for athletes to train in along with everything else that we offer so we definitely got some new stuff coming this year but this pandemic has affected everybody you know everything kind of has been backlogged and kind of put on hold a bit we've really expanded our uh, endorsement program you know we've signed a couple fighters and that's been going great and we're getting ready to sign a bunch more but this happened and obviously what's the point of signing a fighter right now if you will you know what i mean if they don't have a fight coming up but we're gonna announce a lot of new guys for that and i mean like we back boxing like it's it's legit and and that goes for mma too obviously i'm a boxing guy but i love mma um, we really want to be part of the sport because dude, if you look at apparel and boxing, I mean, help me out. What, what companies really exist that cater to that market? Uh, I don't think there, there are many. So <laughs> that's, that's a good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah, totally, totally. We, 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 uh, we love the sport, but we want to put our money where our mouth is too. And that's what this fighting for fighters fund is all about. Like these are people, man, the people that are spreading the word and telling people about contenders are some of these fighters from club fighters to all the way up to Tyson Fury. I mean, they, they, I think what people like about the brand, honestly, is that there's guys like me involved who care, love boxing, man. You know what I mean? I'm not concerned about moving underwear. I'm concerned about fighters getting hooked up and fighters are some of the nicest people on earth and they get nothing, dude. I mean, like there's so minimal endorsement deals for, for professional fighters. I mean, what you get the big daddies, like what Ryan Garcia lands at Jim shark deal or Canelo gets an under armor deal, but you could probably count on one hand fighters that have athlete actual apparel deals. And it's not like it used to be, man, you know, it's, it's a very a different sport. world. And I don't think people look out for fighters across the board. Oh, certainly not. And I uh, would like to change that a little bit. And I love the type of fighters you were talking about earlier. Like, you know, every week on this podcast, we count down the fights that are going to be going on, you know, when, when they're in session at, for the weekend, even the off TV stuff, and we're like, man, hammer and Hank Lundy. It's like his seventh fight this, you know, this year, what the heck is going <laughs> on here? Some of these guys, you know, that that's all they know. That's what they do. So we can appreciate that. Hopefully this helps. And that's a great example. Hammer and Hank Lundy, he, he wore contenders in his last fight. That's the type of guy we're talking about. Yes. You know, that's a guy that makes his living fighting. And there's a lot of guys like that. Some of the smaller guys supplement their income. A guy like Hammer and Hank, he's not getting those big checks anymore, man. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But he's still fighting in Delaware and he's still feeding the family and he's a great guy. And those, those are the people that need our help, man, because there's something to take a, a bigger picture in all this. And I know you've discussed it. When boxing comes back. God willing, it's really soon, right? There's a very good chance it's going to be to empty venues. I mean, wh- where do you think it's going personally? I mean, you got insight and knowledge. Where, where do you think it's going to happen? I think we're going to start off with empty venues, studio lot fights, whatever. Yeah, it's going to be a while. That's, that's okay. the thing. I th- I'm very optimistic, and some of that is Dana White of the UFC is pushing so hard that I do feel like people are eventually going to bend to help him do it the right way. So that'll sure. bring back fights, which is great for entertainment, for fighters getting paid. But I think it'll be a long time before we have full arenas. And I've talked to Teofimo Lopez recently, Josh Taylor, and these guys are like, I don't want to fight in front of an empty arena. I fight for yeah. the fans, and I can appreciate that. No, it's true, but think about what we were just talking about and everything you just said with maybe going to studios and you know Fox Sports and all that kind of stuff, right? So check it out, Brian. What happens to the off-TV guys? 
what happens to the opponents? No one's, they're not going to get any TV time. You know, if, if, if PBC runs a show uh, or Showtime runs a show or a top rank runs a show, you're going to get the names, right? You're going to get the Tiafimo Lopez's. You're going to get the guys that can draw and do ratings. What about two four round guys? They fight on club shows that are off TV that only exist on ticket sales. So if people can't go into the venue, right, the promoter is not going to have the event and those guys are not going to get work. They're just not. And they're such a vital part to the system. You'll never get the big names if they don't have those type of guys to work their way up the ladder a little bit. Like just because boxing back does not mean it will be back for everybody. It'll be back for the big names, just like anything else in life, right? The top guys will be okay. And the guys at the bottom, I mean, they, they could get pushed out of this in a sense. I mean, I'm not trying to be like an alarmist, but I don't think anybody's looking out for those dudes. And that is a complete possibility if we don't have actual fans in venues that there's a whole segment of fighters that won't be fighting. Maybe they even retire. Maybe they age out, whatever it may be. But it's going to really change the landscape dramatically of what boxing looks like. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be wild. I'm just as excited for people to get back and see the fights. I'll, I'll watch them anywhere. Right. But <laughs> it's going to be very different until people get back in actual arenas. You know, you don't, there ain't no walkout bout for a three card TV show. You know, great, that's not going to exist. There's nobody in the audience to watch it. Well, so get, get yourself so a t-shirt bizarre. hat boxers at contenderclothing.com for sure. And Chris J, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, man. I did want to close. Uh, when you told me you were part of a band that you were the front man of army of freshmen and I, and I did some research. I mean, like, uh, that, <laughs> you were a thing. You were pretty, I know you were a hit around the world, but how far did you guys get in the States to like, to, to the, to the crossover mainstream level? Yeah. You know what? We were right there, man. We had, we had our toe in the water. We did very good internationally. We still do. We did. We were, I was famous in Japan for a month, you know, 2004. We did very good in England. Uh, but we were definitely victims of the time. Like right when things were really turning the corner for us was right around the time the financial crisis hit. What was like 08 or whatever. So like we were just building and doing everything right. And you know, getting ready to sign the major label deal, had the deal memo and then boom, but uh, we, we, we had the fortune of accomplishing so much, man. We worked hard. You know, we toured all over the world without any major backing, you know, fans to this day all over the world. And, you know, it was a bit of the pop punk genre. That's sort of where we fit in. But all my dreams came true in music, except, you know, ultimately making a living out of it, you know. So, you know, I, I tell people, like, I like to find sinking ships. I'm drawn to them. You know, like, music business is going down. Okay, cool. Well, let me get in the indie film. Hop on the indie film. Oh, I'm alive. That ship's going down. Holy shit, there's boxing. Here I come. You know, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit, you know. So, but I've been doing all those things all my life. I make a joke when I say it. But yeah, no, we, we, we still, uh, still have a lot of success and still doing some music, working on a new record on the side in the pandemic. So, uh, you know, I try and That's keep great. everything going, you know. And I'm sure, you know, does, does it still uh, pop you when, when, when someone walks by and it's like, hey, aren't you that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah, totally. I love it. It's the best. You know, it's the best. You know, it's nothing. They're my two loves in life, music and boxing, you know, and I, I think the parallels are incredible, man. If you look at a uh, struggling musician versus struggling band, even down to promoters and how shows work and how opening bands sell tickets and how you can get picked up by the big boys. And I mean, there there are some insane similarities and, and a lot of sad stories in the mix too. You know, I'm drawn to I'm drawn to those type of characters. Cause I guess I am one, you know, <laughs> the underdog making good. I love it. We're all drawn to that. Yeah. Chris J it's been a pleasure talking to you, brother. Hope to see you out at the fights very soon. 
Look forward to it, Brian. Take care and uh, health and safety to your family. Look forward to talking to you soon, my friend. Thanks, brother. All right, special thanks to my man Chris J. Check out his band Army of Freshmen, and uh, he's doing great work over there at Knuckleheads Gym. He's he's managing Francisco Santana, as you mentioned, doing a lot of good stuff with Contenders Clothing. Uh, I did want to say I'm I'm not just trying to uh, help out fighters here by spreading this message, but I'm a big Contenders Clothing fan. I'm rocking the, as I mentioned, the uh, Rocky beats Apollo shirt quite often. The uh, Muhammad Ali boxers, the the fact that you can get the Rocky trunks for each movie as boxer shorts, it's pretty damn badass. Can you beat that? I don't know. The fact that you can get a uh, Miyagi Daniel-san headband as a trucker head, I, I'm, in for, I'm in on that stuff. Okay, that's my stuff. All right, that's my ish. You can get the skeleton boxers that uh, that Billy Zabka wore as Johnny in, in Karate Kid at the Halloween dance. Uh, you know where I'm going with that. So it's fantastic. Help out a fighter. Be part of that, uh, contendersclothing.com. You've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy, okay? Get, get, help out these fighters, okay? They risk it all. Some gave all so that we could have some uh, in terms of entertainment. So shout out to all these fighters. Shout out to the Irish crew, the Godinias crew. Shout out to Denmark and my man Ulrich Anderson in that email that he sent this past week uh, to Rafe and I referencing that story I, I teased where he was trying to catch Fury Wilder 2 on pay-per-view in the middle of the night, but simultaneously had a lady over and was trying to seal that deal and trying to balance both, and he reports to us that uh, it did exist, if you know what I mean. I think you know what I mean. It did, It did in fact, exist. So he shot his load. Let him shoot his load. Yeah, I think she let him, you know, maybe. Maybe he uh, he blew his water. I think I should finish. Thank you. Um, Shout out to Ulrich indeed. Shout out to uh, many different crews out there. Your crew, the SOC crew. Uh, we got any other locations? Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, shout out to Omaha. Uh, Bud Crawford doesn't think this uh, virus is real. I don't know. I don't know what to tell him, you know, whatever. But, um. Yeah, that's it. That's the SOC pod support uh, at Rafe Boogs on Twitter. His great work with The Athletic. I'm sure he'll reveal some kind of new awesome project in the future. Uh, I'm your boy, BC. Thank you so much. Special thanks to Josh Taylor, Chris J, and the one and only Alex Godinez. Hopefully we're going to get some fights soon. I feel it coming, folks. I need it. I know you do, too. Uh, we're all going through this quarantine together. Obviously, there's levels to this. Um you know, I haven't lost my job. We're thriving in a, in a way through this. Very busy. Some people haven't worked in, in over a month, and I can certainly, uh, you know, understand how hard that must be. And and so other people have lost loved ones. Other people are sick. Uh, it, it's a wild time. So stay mentally healthy. That's the foundation. Uh, Rashad Evans gives some great tips this week on our SOC MMA pod about how important it is. Keep your immune system big uh, and strong. Take some walks. Get outside if you can, depending on your you know life situation. Not all of us have hiking trails right down the road, but uh, get out and breathe a little bit. Remember, uh, if you are working or working from home and it's hard, because it is hard, believe me, even without this, um, just get through. It's about survival right now, okay? We try to thrive, but sometimes it's about survive. And uh, realize that uh, you don't have to be a superstar. Get through. Do your job. Get through. Life's going to get normal again. We're going to we're going to touch that normalcy again. It's going to happen. I feel it. Special thanks to my super producer, Mikey Mormile, and everyone else at CBS Sports still pumping this content along so you can touch it. Check out, obviously, uh, 
the the growing brand that is Morning Combat, Showtime's digital show. I do it every Monday noon Eastern with Luke Thomas on YouTube. The latest in MMA and boxing. It's a little ridiculous, like you like here. And also, we've been we've been spinning off with classic combat. We've been doing live uh, companion shows. Go back in the archives on YouTube. Check out what we did for the Marquez Vasquez trilogy, Corrales Castillo one and two. We got some Strike Force MMA in the future. Fun stuff going on there. Lots more cool stuff to come from the SOC. And I got two words for you. Okay. Boom! Dig it again. That's three. That's three. Ray, don't don't get too don't get too excited. I got two words for you. Um. Oh, one more shout out. Marcos Viejas has done a spectacular job. Who's that? The journalist. The journalist. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Um, Dom, I'm not trying to rip you off. Quite frankly, this brother's feeling a little bit ripped off. No, no, we love you, Rich. Hopefully everything's going well post-move for the Dwyers. And we out. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.